It's hard for people to feel hopeful in these uncertain times. But having hope for the future helps to build resilience and gives people the will, determination and sense of empowerment to tackle their mental health challenges. Today, I talked to the nation's leading mental health campaigner, Johnny Benjamin, about how hope stopped him from taking his own life and how it can help and inspire young people living with mental health challenges. Hi, I'm neuroscientist Dr Ben Webb and I want to help you cultivate a healthy brain for a mentally healthy and happy life. Welcome to episode 41 of Better Brain, Better You. pleased you could join me today for a truly inspirational conversation with Johnny Benjamin about the hope he inspires in young people and in his new book. If you're watching on YouTube, please do like, subscribe and hit that notification bell to hear when we release new videos. And thanks so much for listening in wherever you get your podcasts. We release weekly episodes for brains of all ages. Before we jump into the conversation, I want to give you a free workshop on how to parent a teenage brain. On the workshop, we share four essential strategies for supporting teenagers who are struggling with their mental health and common teenage problems and show you how to connect with young people to positively influence their behaviour. You can watch the free workshop at ologyonlinecourses.com slash workshop. That's ologyonlinecourses.com forward slash workshop. Please do go and watch the workshop, it's completely free and will really help you to start addressing those worries and mental health challenges that young people struggle with every day. So today I'm talking to Johnny Benjamin about his new book, The Book of Hope, 101 Voices on Overcoming Adversity, a book that inspires acceptance, compassion, courage, resilience, kindness, connection and most importantly hope when you face challenges with your mental health. Mental health activist, film producer, public speaker, vlogger, author and MBE, Johnny has been campaigning for better mental health services and education in the UK for more than a decade now. His willingness to put himself into vulnerable situations so that he can share his own lived experience is truly inspirational for so many of us struggling with our mental health. Welcome to the podcast, Johnny. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. So something that, that really struck me in the book, and we certainly see in our work, is that so many of your contributors' mental health struggles sadly started in childhood and, and often in the teenage years. So it, when did you first struggle with your own mental health? Yeah, absolutely. I, I started struggling when I was really young. Um my parents actually took me to a psychologist when I was five. Um, I was having uh, like night, night terrors, you know, really vivid, horrible nightmares. Uh, and I wasn't sleeping properly. And I was, um, you know, my, my behavior wasn't, my behavior was, I was violent, I was destructive. Uh, so there was something going on, you know. Um, and my parents took me to the to, to the doctors a few times, and then I got referred to this psychologist. But you know, I didn't understand it. I just 
Yeah, I didn't understand it. Yeah, I really didn't understand what what it was all about, and you know what what mental health was, or and it was it was very much um, kind of the elephant in the room, uh, you know, with with like family. Uh, yeah, but but yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely started young, for me, for sure. You growing up in a Jewish community, you said you alluded to it then with with mental illness and. And, and discovering your sexuality as a, as a, as a young man as well. So who, when you were growing up, who were your role models? Who were, who were your inspirations, you know, at that time? Did you, cause you're such an inspiration to people now being so open and honest about your lived experience. Did you have anybody that, that inspired you that you looked up to at that time? Uh, not, not really, because honestly, mental health was a taboo. It was such a taboo. It's, it might seem strange to people now, but. Like, honestly, like, so I went, and I went to a Jewish school as well. So, honestly, like, not once did we talk about mental health. It's just ridiculous when I look back. Not once did anyone say, and, and also, I mean, when I went, I went to university to kind of, I don't know, I thought I could escape to uni and that would solve everything. But even when I got to uni, no, no one said, you know, we had like loads of like, like lectures on things like oh security you know security safety fire safety in halls of residence but again there was no one talking about mental health and well-being and I just wish that you know someone would have or someone would have just been vulnerable or you know there was nothing like I mean you know we got lots of in school we got lots of like people come in like guests and they would tell us about their careers and like, oh, I'm a lawyer and I'm a doctor and I'm an actor and I'm a singer. But again, no one, I don't know. I just wish someone would have said, you know, I have struggled and it's okay. And, you know, uh, yeah, there was no one like that, unfortunately, growing up. Um, yeah, but, you know, I go back to my old school now and it's very different. You know, people are talking about mental health and well-being and they're, and they're very much open. And yeah, I feel like things, things have changed. So that's, that's positive. So you've been very open about your, you know, your mental health journey, um, documenting it many, the, the story many times, but undoubtedly a pivotal moment in your life was being diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder. So that's a combination of schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. Is that correct? In your, and that was in your early 20s. So how did, how did you feel when you received your diagnosis? Did that explain things? Did that help things? Did that, did that make, make things worse? Well, for me, it made things worse, I think, because... Uh, <laughs> but I, um, I think it was the way the diagnosis was like delivered by my psychiatrist. Um, it sounds really critical, but... Um, I don't know, like, so, you know, I've been unwell for quite a while, well, for a long time, actually. Um, and, I, and, and, and yeah, and I knew, I knew there was something, I just, I didn't know what it was. But I don't know, I wasn't expecting that, that diagnosis, the, particularly the schizophrenia element of it. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a shock and it was, uh, it was, it, you know, I'd, I was admitted into hospital at that point and I was placed onto a suicide ward. And um, the whole thing was just quite traumatic, to, to be honest. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah, it really was. It, and, and, and that label really, 
I don't know. Um, I found it very difficult with that label for, for, for quite a long time after, to, to be frank, yeah. Okay. And um, I think soon after you received your diagnosis, I mean, you sadly, incredibly sadly, attempted to take your to your own life on Waterloo Bridge. And as you stood on the edge of the bridge ready to jump, a passerby, a stranger approached you and talked you out of taking your own life. And so how did this, I mean, at this, you know, the, the worst moment in your life, but then, you know, this amazing moment of kindness, how did that, how did that change your life? What a day. Yeah, that was, um, yeah, so that was, that was the beginning of, of, of 2008. So yeah, a while ago, uh, just before my 21st birthday and um yeah that that moment on on the bridge was um it was very profound you know having this stranger <laughs> um show me show me kindness and compassion but also hope i think that was what I really needed some hope. It was so bleak, honestly, it was so bleak in that hospital. I'd been there for a month after my diagnosis and uh, it was just so bleak. But this this stranger had a different like energy really about him. He was, he is so, just so, po he's so positive and so uh, encouraging and, um, unafraid and um yeah i i mean I, I i'm so lucky you know that it was him that stopped and spoke to me you know i really am i mean yeah i really really am um and gave me his time and his yeah his kindness and his his, his wisdom um i mean it was only you know it was it was just a what 30 minute interaction to be honest before the police came and and then I got taken away um but yeah it, even though it was just 30 minutes it was such a powerful interaction on, on the on the edge of that bridge really it was you know so you so you managed to get better to get well you spent some time in, in hospital and then and then this became this incident sort of became the focus of a campaign, I think, in 2014, in which you were trying, you wanted to find this person, this stranger, this incredibly compassionate person who who talked to you and 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 and, and looked after you in that moment. And this this campaign, find Mike, which is what you thought his name was at the time, and it turned out to be just something different. But you can tell us about that amazing that amazing story. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm very lucky with, you know, what I've, what I've been able to do. Um, it, so it, it was, it, there was a gap of six years, you know, in between that incident on the bridge and, and me then, and me then launching that camp. It was a long time, but I had to be in a good place to, you know, to talk publicly. And it took a long time to, oh, there was so much that I needed to deal with. You, my mental health, also my sexuality, I was struggling with my my sexuality and you know coming from I come from a Jewish family community and that was really tough as well so there was a lot I had to resolve and yeah it took, it took years but when I was in a better place um 
yeah, I decided to find this this guy. Uh, I did get his name wrong, as you said. Um, but you know, my memory from that day at that time wasn't was. I mean, I remembered. You know, I remembered um, again more like the energy of 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 him and some of the things he said rather than maybe his name. <laughs> um, I couldn't even like really picture what what he looked like back then. Um, but anyway, I I decided to launch this search with with a charity called Rethink Rethink Mental Illness, who are amazing national mental health charity. I was working for them at the time, and um, I told them my story, and they said, "Oh, that 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 thing on the bridge is incredible. Why don't you try and find this guy?" And so, I mean, we launched it on social media, and it just kind of took off. It was really um, quite surreal. Just went viral started like trending um yeah and i mean i mean to be honest i i mean i, I how were we going to find him it just it, it for me it seemed quite impossible because as i said six years had passed and you know he could be anywhere he, and i wasn't 100 percent sure of his name so how were we going to find him but amazingly and actually through the power of social media through the power of facebook you know, it, it got shared by someone, then it got shared by someone else, and eventually it got onto um, his wife's feed. Um, yeah, and, you know, Sarah told Neil, not Mike, um, oh my gosh, is this... Is, and, and there was a picture of me, and, you know, she... And obviously, as soon as Neil saw the picture of me, he was like, yeah, oh my gosh, that's that's Johnny and got in touch with, with the charity Rethink and, and yeah, we were reunited, um, which was like unbelievable. And you're now, and you're friends now, you work together, you get your campaign, mental health campaigns together and yeah, and just all friends, it's amazing. And that's a lot, a lot of the work you're doing there, right? Is to, is to help and get better mental health support into, into schools, into universities, yeah, 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 absolutely. It's so important. It's so needed, especially after the last like year that we've had, you know, with the pandemic. I mean, so many young people are needing are needing and, 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 and you know, teachers and, and, and parents and families as well needing needing support. But just, you know, you know, it's there's not enough support is that out there really, unfortunately. I think it's that thing of it's just because it's what, I was trying to, what I was trying to sort of allude to a little bit is that, you know, the teenage years, I mean, as you know, you know, firsthand are the most vulnerable time, you know, for developing mental health issues and challenges. Like, you know, that's the time when your brain is in that moment of development where it's very, very vulnerable to, to, to those things, which is why it's so important. And we're just, the work we do as well, exactly the same, trying to get support and help to people at that age and earlier in fact but yeah so it's amazing the work that you're doing oh and you as well and you it's so important so needed so needed so reading your book the book of hope i uh, i genuinely experienced every emotion as i was sobbing sometimes about many of the tragic stories and then kind of feelings of absolute profound hope about the stories of courage and and kindness so what, what what did you want people to take from the book? <laughs> what you've just said. 
<laughs> there you go. We're done. <laughs> you know, we my job. My job's done. <laughs> good, good. Um, n- n- no, I mean, again, it's been such a difficult year, and just because that we're, you know, restrictions might be lifting, it doesn't mean that everything's okay for for people. A lot. I know a lot of people actually that are finding this period of transition very difficult, very difficult actually. Um, and so, and, and, and actually to, to be honest, I mean, we didn't like when we decided to write this book, we obviously didn't know that it was going to be a, a pandemic and, you know, it just kind of, it's just coincidence that it's published now and, you know, but, but I do think people need it. Um, and there's, a, yeah, there's a lot of difficult stuff going on in the world, you know, at the moment actually. And yeah, people really need some hope and some inspiration, I think. And so that's what I really want people to to take away is um, some wisdom and some, yeah, encouragement and yeah, ultimately hope. I mean, um, yeah, I, you know, the stories in there, there's so much resilience, isn't there? You can take away. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, I've learned, I mean, I'm so, again, I feel so lucky. I've learned so much from, you know, talking to other people over the last decade, people check, people being so brave and open and sharing their lived experience of, of mental health issues and how they've overcome challenges. And I just always learn so much when I, when I listen to, you know, someone open up like that. So that's why we wanted to put the, put the book together and have all these voices, different voices, because, you know, everyone, everyone's journey is so different and unique and, you know, some, some contributions people might not be able to relate to, but then hopefully other contributions you'll be able to pick something up from. So that's why we wanted a real variety of, of voices in there. Um, but yeah, ultimately, um, you know, I, I meet a lot of people and, and the reason for writing the book is, is because too many people I've met have said to me, I've given up, I've lost hope. Or, or I've had, you know, and I still get lots of messages from family members. Like I get a lot of messages from parents that say to me, um, ah, my son or my daughter struggling with their mental health. They've locked themselves away. They won't go, they won't come out. They won't see people. They've given up. And, and it's heartbreaking, you know, when you get those, those messages of, again, particularly from parents, I, I seem to, I don't know. Um, yeah loved ones that just that have just given up um so yeah that's that's why the book was was written really for for anyone that, that that's that's in that place it does such a great job of that and so absolutely so important to try and connect you know with not just with the, with young people but with their parents as well to try and offer help and support and so i mean so many of the stories in the book touch me, but particularly, say, Kevin Hines' survival story after jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge and his and his 10-point mental health plan, and actually particularly struck a chord with me. Was there, which stories in the book particularly resonated with you, if it's not unfair to ask you to pick some out? <laughs> it's a really hard one, you know. It's a really hard one. Um, because I know, um, again, I keep, sorry, I keep on saying that I'm... I'm I don't know why I feel very lucky today. So I keep on saying I feel very, I feel lucky, but I do. Um, I feel lucky to know all those people in the book. Very lucky. I mean, they're all people that I've met over the last decade, and yeah, I mean, all just 
for me, inspirations, yeah. So um, it's hard actually to pick. But, but I mean, um, um, I, I, I think for me, particularly people like um, Sir David Wiseman's in, in, in the book, and he, um, he fought in, in Afghanistan. And, um, you know, he, I mean, the, physically how, you know, he's still got bits of shrapnel in him today um, from, from that war. Uh, so physically he was so badly injured, but then mentally as well, of course, he was really badly, um, uh, injured, I guess. Yeah. Um, but again, again, just his, his strength and resilience to, to overcome both the physical and the mental, um, challenges as a result of war. Uh, I just, yeah, really, really, really touched me, but they all, they, they all touched me. All of the uh, entries touched me, and, and you know, I, if I'm honest, I was very nervous at the beginning because, um, you know, I, I set out to make this book, and I thought, oh gosh, what if, you know, what if everyone writes the same thing, or, uh, but and and what if people don't even, you know, don't don't even write, you know, everyone's really busy. What if people don't don't contribute? But I was so surprised you know with everyone's entries and they're they're all so different and um and, and just the, the volume of entry i mean we didn't again we didn't set out as 101 that to be the number i just literally contacted everyone i knew that i've met in the last 10 years um and said are you interested in you know writing a little something and yeah i was just so surprised with the way that people came back and said yeah 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 of course i want to share my wisdom, you know, I want to share my wisdom and I want to, I want to help other people, which is, um, which is amazing. I think. It's incredibly inspirational. I mean, the diversity of the stories is just unbelievable, but there's also commonalities as well, aren't there? Like lots of, you know, lots of, you know, lots of different way, the common ways in which people, you know, are coping. Many of the, in fact, many of the contributors sort of talked about the different outlets for coping with mental illness that they had that was that was something i found really interesting in in the book itself so are there particular outset outlets that you use to cope on a day-to-day -to, -day to express yourself to, to to cope with your with your mental health challenges i think for me you know getting out um is key so I, yeah i live alone my flat's quite quite small and um yeah, just getting out. I've got I'm, I've got a park not far from me, so and it's a really nice little park. Um, I mean, like yesterday was such a busy day, but I went for a run in the evening and it did just twenty minutes actually. But I did so much good for my mental health. So I, yeah, I, I know I have to I have to get out. I have to exercise in particular. Um, that's that's kind of my outlet exercise actually yeah mine too yeah yeah well yeah i don't know about you but the days that i don't do it i really i kind of feel it absolutely yeah it's a struggle to get out sometimes but when you do you always you always feel so much better yeah always always yeah so you've described yourself in the in in the past i think in interviews as a as a wounded warrior i, lo I, lo I love that i love that expression by sharing your lived experiences, you want to help people with their mental health experiences. You think your contributors sharing lived experiences will help people 
particularly men, do you think, to open up about their own mental health challenges? Well, I, I started speaking out, uh, yeah, like 10 years ago. And um, I don't know, I, I mentioned the word role models before, but I think having role models who, you know, speak about their lived experience with, with openness and vulnerability. I, I, I got so much from like people like Stephen Fry. I mean, Stephen Fry, um, you know, watching him speak uh, and listening to him and uh, that, I mean, yeah, he's, I mean, he's been doing this for such a long time. Um, and when I started out, you know, there wasn't so many people talking about their lived experience, but now, I mean, um, yeah, I, I, I just always, 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 always get so much from, you know, watching, listening, reading, people sharing their 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 honesty their their yeah their their vulnerability their openness um and it's interesting because you know i've got a lot of men in my life that that are not are not the same in terms of you know they will actively avoid (laughs) like you know watching or listening to those people i don't i don't yeah mental health nah i'm fine you know i don't need to watch that nah um but i know those men struggle at times and it's so hard to reach them um but you know i keep on and it was the same for me when i was first on well people couldn't reach me i wouldn't open up i didn't want to hear about other people's you know people did try and talk to me but i was like i don't want to know i no don't want to know but you know gradually i started to you know the the walls came down and you know, I started to finally, you know, listen to those people and, um, and learn. And, uh, you know, particularly for the men around me, I'm always trying to like sort of plant seeds. Um, oh, have you, have you seen that thing? Uh, you know, uh, Prince Harry said that, have you, did you see that? And, you know, <laughs> uh, Yes, particularly some of the men around me will, ah, yeah, no, I didn't, I don't, I don't need to watch that. But I, I don't give up. I'm quite, uh, I don't do it in a, in a, you know, oh, you need to watch, you have to watch this kind of thing. I'm like, oh, just, yeah, just check this out. I thought it was really interesting. Um, and I just hope eventually that the message will kind of get through, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. It does. It's such a, it's such a, challenge i mean i think your work you know and and the book in particular so inspiring people through examples and lived experience absolutely amazing is really no doubt really really effective i'm just thinking of the different ways in which we can actually help people to start engaging and thinking about the mental health something that we're trying to do is actually thinking about opening up a kind of trying to get close you know obviously the sort of the you know the goal the aim is to try and get parity between physical and mental health, you know, so one one mechanism we're trying to use is, you know, we set up a sort of emotional gym, you know, equivalent equivalent to, you know, a physical gym, to, particularly for men, you know, because they might engage more with that. We use the sort of, you know, emotional muscles and the analogy of, you know, of training as a way to kind of engage with with your mental health. I just wonder what other, you know, what other, what other um, you know, work and you know mechanisms you're using to try and help people engage and open up with their mental health at the moment, the work that you're doing. 
Well, I mean, our, our work is, you know, really focused on, on schools and young people and trying to get in, particularly to primary schools, you know, to the early years. Um, so we had a, a few months ago, the beginning of 2021, we did the UK's first mental health festival for schools, which was great because we had over 1200 schools and colleges get involved around the UK, which was brilliant to see. Um, and we had lots of different things on, on offer from lessons on like resilience to, you know, stress management. Um, yeah, all sorts of mindfulness, all yoga, all sorts of different, different things. And it was really well received actually. Um, but you know, it's just, just a one day festival is not enough as we all know. So, um, yeah, you know, we're really trying to get in there, uh, early on particularly to the, yeah, the young boys, um, f from an early, and some schools, you know, some schools are brilliant. Like some schools really get it. And, you know, they are like, yes, we, you know, we want people in, you know, help us to get people in. And, um, we're giving grants to schools at the moment that, you know, can't afford any provision. So, um, but other schools though, are you know, oh no, we don't, we don't need this here. We're fine um which is interesting uh i think there's a lot of yeah a lot of work to do in terms of um the education system had some head teachers uh some governors you know there's there's a lot of you know yeah mental health um it's still something i think that yeah there's a lot there's still a lot of resistance there i mean and you know things are getting better of course what's the resistance that you that you're hearing well, we don't know, you know, we don't need this. Uh, we, we're fine actually here at our school in terms of, you know, well-being. Uh, we, we don't need any more help and support. And, you know, we say, well, what are you doing? And, oh, we've got a counsellor on site. And that's it. And I'm like, okay. And, you know, are you, are you signposting people to the counsellor? Now we don't, we don't need to, you know, they, everyone knows she's there or he's there. I'm like really because when I was at school you know I was at school in my in the Jewish school that I'd mentioned I was at school for uh, what six seven years I never knew there was a counsellor in school no one ever signposted it's ridiculous no one ever signposted the counsellor and I really could have done with seeing a counsellor at some point it's, it's just ridiculous so um I, I seem to find that there's always one teacher, two teachers, a group of teachers in, in, in a school that will be like, no, we really care about mental health. And, and, you know, no matter what the governors say or the head teacher says, we, we want to put it on the agenda, um, which is great. So, so you're working hard with trying to get help into schools and what's your experience with mental health services, let's say with CAMS. So for people who don't know children, adolescent mental health services, which is the mental health service that, in, uh, young people have to uh, engage with when they, you know, when, when they have mental health challenges. How was your experience as a young person with with those services and and projecting forward now? How how you see that sector? Yeah, so I, I mean, I was referred to CAMS um, by my by my GP, but um, and and I got assessed. I I had an assessment. Um, but, you know, after I had my assessment, there was a long waiting list for one-to-one -one, uh, support. And 
and I gave up waiting because you know I said in my head, screw this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go off to university and I'm gonna be fine. That's what I kept telling myself. Um, and I, but and the same thing that was oh gosh that was what um, over fifth, uh, gosh almost twenty years ago. It's twenty years ago. Anyway, sorry, that was like, yeah, 20 years ago. And still today, I hear the same thing of, you know, waiting lists are just so long. Um, the gap between CAMS and the adult mental health service is is just, the, the transition is not good enough. Too many people are kind of fall through that gap. I hear the same things that, are, you know, that, that were happening 20 years ago. I hear them today. There's a, again, there's a lot of work to do, I think. So thinking about young people and you know struggling what advice you know would you give to a young person right now who's struggling with their mental health to give them some hope so actually our charity has a youth board um which is which is awesome like we've got people in their teens and 20s who all you know struggle with their mental health and um you know we're always talking to them um and that's the key, isn't it? Really talking to them and, you know, they're very open with us when they're struggling. And, um, you know, I, I, I feel that I'm able to kind of, yeah, you know, give some, give some wisdom, hopefully from everything that I've, I've gone through. And, um, I think for me, one of, one of the biggest things, one of the biggest lessons I've learned is around, uh, like self-compassion and self-kindness and the way that we talk to ourselves, particularly when we're struggling and, you know, when young people, when the youth board members, you know, message me and say that they're struggling, the way they talk to themselves and, you know, they call themselves stupid or, you know, I shouldn't be going through this or, you know, I should have taken better care of myself. And, you know, I always say just, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. I know that's easier said than done, but, you know, honestly, like, you know, really look at the way that you're talking to yourself, um, the way that you think about yourself, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I've in the last few years, I've, I've been having something called CFT, which is compassion focused therapy, which I found really interesting, really helpful, actually, you know, because I was, yeah, I was so critical, self-critical in my 20s, so self-critical, like unbelievably self-critical. Uh, and don't get me wrong, I still am, you know, today sometimes, but I mean, I'm better, I'm so much better than I, I'm really, I really catch myself when I'm you know, being very self-critical. Um, so yeah, so I think, yeah, self, self, and, and I really believe anyone can do that self kindness, self compassion. Um, but you know, ultimately I think it is, it is, is reaching out for support and, and talking and, you know, um, because sometimes it is hard. Well, it's, it's really hard to do it on your own, you know, find, find, um, find that hope again. Sometimes you need other people to kind of help you find that hope, like the guy on the bridge did with me, you know, like Neil did. It, I, I, I definitely couldn't have done that on my own. I needed someone there to, yeah, to to give me hope and to kind of restore my faith in in in, in life. I needed I needed someone to do that. So, you know, reaching out it it's not always easy, but it is always the best thing to do. Always. You reflect on that moment. I mean, as the most one of the most pivotal moments in your life, it completely changed the course of your life. I mean, perhaps you wouldn't have gone on to be this, you know, amazing mental health advocate that you are now. Yeah, I mean, oh my gosh, uh, 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, don't, you know, uh, some days I wish, you know, if I'm having a, a bad mental health day, some days I wish that, you know. Does it weigh on you, the responsibility? Yeah, yeah, it does sometimes. Yeah, it does. It does. It does for sure. For sure. Um, it's, a, it's a huge responsibility. I'm mean, very brave, I have to say, doing it. So I can imagine some days you just don't feel like being the wounded warrior. Yeah, particularly if I'm struggling, you know, with, with my own well-being, for sure. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, but but most days, you know, I'm just so I'm just so grateful. Honestly, I'm so grateful. Um, well, for, for 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 everything. But I, yeah, you know, I I speak to a lot of people again that don't have the kind of support. And aren't able to be as honest as I am. I'm able to be really honest, you know, when I'm struggling. Whatever I'm going through, I can just... But a lot of people still say to me, well, my workplace, I can't... I can't, my family, my... I can't, my friends. Um, so I am in a very fortunate position where I can just, yeah, be fully open. And have you, as you, with your family now, are much more open and supportive with about mental health? Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, they've been through a huge journey as well. Huge from from being very like conservative and not talking about emotions and yeah, it's amazing to to and my friends, you know, and my friends as well. have been on a big journey, I think, to learn about my mental health and mental health in general. My dad now, for example, my dad has gone from um, you know, he's very stoic and growing up, very stoic, very. Um, I don't know, we just, we didn't talk about feelings, but now, I mean, he's, he, he runs a, a father's group for, for dads that have children that are struggling, you know, which is, yeah, it's just great. I mean, yeah, he, 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 he loves it. He gets so much from it, learning from other dads and other dads learn from him. Um, and he, he's done a mental health first aid course and, um, he works in the Jewish community in terms of mental health. So, you know, he's gone from, but interestingly for him, I think um, things really changed. So he was diagnosed with prostate cancer a few years ago. Thankfully, he's doing okay at the moment. Um, but when he got his diagnosis, I don't know, it was interesting. He started to uh, kind of soften and and really, you know, he he would just say to me, you know, because uh, with his cancer, he was he was really open with family and friends and the treatment and you know he was just very uh, yeah because cancer you know people talk about it much more now there's not the stigma that there once was and he's just said to me well, I can talk so openly about my cancer you should be why can't you talk so openly about your your mental health and I think that helped to sort of change things actually you know with, with us that's amazing I mean that shows the power of you know of an inspirational story I mean you know I hate to to just wrap it up that way as your life, but, you know, an inspiration of, you know, bringing your family and your friends with you, the power of that narrative is just, in, you know, is just incredible. And for your dad, you know, uh, you know, one of those, one of those moments of, you know, I think when you sometimes perhaps question your own mortality and often makes you think and reflect on your own, you know, on your own existence and your family and so on, that's, that's, that's lovely to hear and beautiful. I just wish everyone had that level of support, you know, and again, I think working in the mental health space, I have a lot of colleagues that, you know, understand and get it and reach out for, 
support. So, but there is, there is, there is so many, you know, there is so many amazing organizations and charities out there that um, are there to on hand to support, aren't there? So, you know, people, people, you know, I mean, so one of my friends started something called the hub of hope. The hub of hope is brilliant. Um, you know, it, you, you type in your postcode and it, it brings up your local mental health charities and services and organizations. And there's so much out there people don't know about. So, you know, you don't have to be alone. I think that's, that's key. Yeah, that's amazing. I didn't know that actually. I'll put that, I'll link, I'll link to that in the in the notes. Fantastic. So finishing up, Johnny, it's been lovely to talk to you. What's, what, what's giving you hope for the future? Uh, to be honest, the young people that I, that that I work with in, in in my charity because they are so. You know, there's particularly there's a young man that I just spoke to him yesterday. A young man called Antonio, who's on our youth board, and he's uh, he's 21, um, young ba- young black man, and I mean, gosh, he's been through. So he was in hospital for two years with um, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia psychosis. Um, he's he's just been through so much and he's out the other side now and you know he is doing so well and he talks so openly about his mental health and well-being and he's got so much ambition around that area he's so creative and same with a lot of our youth board you know the way that they express themselves and their mental health is just really it really inspires me all the time you know, when I was their age in my teens, twenties, uh, you know, that I, I just, I would never have been so open and creative and, you know, um, yeah, I just get, I get, I feel very hopeful for the future when I, or when I go into schools and I see young people, you know, being very open and, you know, they'll say to me, yeah, I've, I've got, I've got depression or yeah, I have, I have anxiety or, you know, I'm bisexual, just really, really open. And that's really encouraging for me for the future. And the and the, the young people on your board, they feed into your, into your policies, into your, into your campaigns. Yeah. The young people, absolutely. They feed into everything. And, um, again, I, you know, if, if something, if there's something on the news and we put it to them and, you know, I, I their feedback i always again learn so much because we've got a lot of young people on the board who are yeah again from different backgrounds and communities and you know um their experiences is might be very different to you know mine growing up the way that i did so it's really important to you know yeah just just learn from them and um yeah they are they are literally the the as I said, the forefront of, of the charity, which is great. Which is great. Amazing. Yeah, that's great. So what, 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 what are you working on now? What's your campaigning going forward over the next year? So we're trying to raise half a million actually at the moment, um, to fund urgent mental health support in schools and colleges. And, uh, I mean, you know, we get so many emails from schools who are saying, you know, we just don't have funding. We need funding to bring in this or that. And, um, yeah, we're trying to do our best to, you know, try and get that help and support into as many schools 
as we can. Um, but it's you know, running a charity is is especially a small charity. We're not, we're not you know we're not mined. <laughs> you know we don't get the you know we don't get the big bucks. So it's, it's a lot of work. That's why you know my work is pretty consuming. But I wouldn't change it because you know. Uh, because of you know like the youth board and um when we do manage to help a school it's it's a great feeling but mm, there's there is a, there's, there's a lot of work to do yeah well you're doing amazing work absolutely no doubt about that I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to actually to talk to you today and thank you so much for taking taking the taking the time to talk to us so the Book of Hope is available to buy, has been available for a month or so now to buy in all book retailers and online on Amazon. So thanks so much, Johnny. Real pleasure, honestly, talking to you. Yeah, thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Before we finish up, a quick reminder of our free workshop we're offering on how to parent a teenage brain. On the workshop, we share the four essential strategies for parenting teenagers to solve common teenage problems, connect with teenagers, influence their behaviour and support teenagers' mental health. You can watch this free workshop at ologyonlinecourses.com forward slash workshop. That's ologyonlinecourses.com forward slash workshop. Please do go and watch it. It's packed with effective strategies for parenting teenagers. So I hope this episode on hope with Johnny Benjamin was really helpful. It was a pleasure talking to him and spending time with you. And I will look forward to seeing you next time.